first bonus episode of Haunted Hometowns, your weekly true crime paranormal podcast. My name is Blake Lambert Hack, and tonight I'm going to be doing things a little bit differently. It is the Friday before Halloween, so I've decided to put together a little medley of Halloween crimes and hauntings for you. No guests, just me and you. Since this is the first bonus episode, it will be available anywhere you get your podcasts, but from here on out, I will be releasing a bonus episode every month. You'll be able to access all of the bonus content on my new Patreon account, Haunted Hometowns. The link will be in the bio. I'll talk more about that at the end of tonight's episode, but for now, let's get into it. I ask all my guests how they describe ghosts and if they believe, so I'm going to turn that question on to myself. I would describe a ghost as the soul of a person after their body ceases to exist. That can manifest in a multitude of ways. Could be the feeling of the person all the way to actually seeing someone as their body was, as if their body was standing in front of you. For a long time, I was skeptical of ghosts. I believed in the idea of a ghost, but wasn't sure how that manifested into what we experience. I do believe in ghosts, but it took experiencing my own paranormal situations to really force myself to think about it. My ghost experiences are partly why I started this podcast. I also just overall love horror and true crime. There's so many true crime stories that need a voice, so I combined two loves of mine and created Haunted Hometowns. So before we get into a few Halloween true crime stories, I'm going to talk a little bit about the origins of Halloween. The tradition of Halloween originated with the ancient Celtic festival, Samhain. And I don't speak any language that even resembles Irish. So my apologies for anything that's pronounced wrong. But anyway, Celtic Festival Samhain, which is a pagan religious festival. It's to celebrate the harvest and to usher in the dark half of the year. People who attended the festival believed that this was the time the barriers between the physical world and the spiritual world would break down allowing more interaction between humans and spirits of the other world. And I just think of Halloween Town 2, where Cal is trying to close the barrier, and the Cronwell witches are trying to reopen it. But anyway, this festival was mandatory, and if you did not participate, the gods would punish you with illness or death. If you committed a crime during the three-day and three-night festival, you would face death. So very, very death-heavy. You gotta do everything right or you die. 
I don't know if that's the festival I would like to go to, but here we are. The festival included days of drinking, typically beer, and huge feasts, which I can get behind. Give me a good pumpkin ale, stout. I like lighter ones, but not during Halloween. My favorite beer, though, y'all, is Atomic Pumpkin by New Belgium. It has a real nice spiciness to it with that pumpkin flavor. It's amazing. Because the ancient Celts believed there wasn't a barrier between our world and the spiritual world at this time, as in during Halloween, they made cattle sacrifices and other offerings so that the otherworldly creatures wouldn't harm the people at the festival. There is a shape-shifting creature called Puka, a headless woman dressed in white called Lady Gwyn, who chases people that are strolling at night, and she's said to be accompanied by a black pig, which is kind of cute. I'm kind of into that. The Dulahan are headless men who carry their heads while riding horses with flames for eyes, and it's considered a death omen to see a du- Dulahan. Fairies and slua are known to kidnap people or their souls. So people dress up as animals and monsters to evade these creatures, which is kind of how we get dressing up for Halloween. The festival is known as a fire festival. They'd create a huge bonfire, which helped protect families from fairies and witches. The original jack-o'-lanterns were made with turnips that they would carve and string together, but later they switched to pumpkins. This is also the time loved ones who had passed away could cross over since the barrier was down. They could also cross over to the physical world to visit with family members, so families would leave doors unlocked or opened. The adults would update their visiting relatives about their lives while the kids would play games and entertain the dead. One such entertainment was to put on costumes and go house to house singing songs to the dead, and in exchange, the family would give the kids cake. Which, I would prefer over some of those candies people hand out, or fruit snacks. Please, anybody listening, don't hand out fruit snacks to kids. Like, I know you can't bake a cake nowadays either, but I much prefer a good freshly baked cake over fruit snacks or anything with nuts in it no thank you pranks were also pulled during the festival but they were always blamed on fairies of course all hallows eve was brought to the united states from irish immigrants and as traditions evolved it turned into what we now know as halloween my favorite holiday though christmas does come in very close behind So, we're going to take a quick break before I jump into some awful Halloween murders. Make sure you say goodbye on your Ouija board. Very important. You don't want to get haunted. Don't willy-nilly accuse people of being witches. Make sure you chain your werewolf friend to a bed during the full moon. Don't invite vampires into your house. Make sure you throw some love towards Frankenstein. And... Everyone separates zombies and mummies, but aren't mummies the same thing as zombies? Think about it. I'll be right back. 
now for some Halloween true crime. The first story tonight has to do with a long-standing fear of children's trick-or-treat candy being tainted with drugs, blades, or anything else that may harm the kids who look forward to getting home and diving into their pile of candy. Parents today still check their kids' candy to make sure they are safe to eat. You throw out any unwrapped sweets just in case. And I'm not saying it's a bad move. We need to make sure we're being overly precautious. And we still don't know who tampered with the Tylenol in Chicago in 1982 by lacing the drug with potassium cyanide. But eight years prior to the Tylenol case, in 1974, on Halloween night, an eight-year-old boy named Timothy O'Brien returned home after trick-or-cheating with some friends. He sifted through his candy to find his favorites, and after eating a good amount, his father stepped in, telling Timothy he could have one more piece before bed. He handed his son a pixie stick, which Timothy ate immediately. And I do not blame that kid. I love pixie sticks. I know it's just pure sugar. I'm not a big fan of cotton candy, but pixie sticks slap. Within moments, the eight-year-old boy was vomiting. The father quickly called 911, but it was too late. Timothy died on his way to the hospital. The police investigated the boy's death and found that the pixie stick was laced with cyanide. They talked to the father since he was the last to see his son alive. They were hoping he could tell them which houses the boys went trick-or-treating. However, the police became highly suspicious after the father changed his story multiple times. They dug deeper into his life and found that Ronald O'Brien was in debt and took out a life insurance policy on his children. A year later, Ronald was found guilty of poisoning his son, Timothy, to collect his life insurance money. Ronald was given the death penalty and died by lethal injection. And to my knowledge, there's never been another true case of candy tampering. I know some people, I believe some people have talked about a razor blade being in an apple or something like that, but I don't think that's true. Like, I'm pretty sure this is the only one that's, like, true, true. And uh, and it wasn't by a neighbor, it was by someone the boy trusted, which is usually the case when it comes to true crime it's usually by someone you know so watch out kids five years later in 1979 shirley ledford was hitchhiking home from a halloween party when two men in a van picked her up don't hitchhike do not hitchhike i know it was common in the 70s and 80s but we know better now so don't hitchhike there's Seriously, so many horror stories from hitchhiking, so and this one included. Shirley Ledford didn't know that that Halloween night she had just been picked up by the serial killers Lawrence Bideker and Roy Norris, who are known as the Toolbox Killers. They would pick up women and torture them with tools typically found in a toolbox. 
Shirley was the fifth and final victim after the men were turned in by a friend of theirs. They were convicted and served life in prison. Their crime spree lasted five months in Southern California. They both recently died in prison. Like Lawrence was, he died in 2019 and Roy died in 2020. Police believed Shirley felt comfortable taking a ride from Lawrence because he he frequented the restaurant Shirley worked part-time. Another instance of someone you know. Like, she doesn't know him very well, but she knows him enough that she was okay taking a ride with him after a Halloween party. Late at night. The crimes they committed are horrific, so I'm not going to go into detail. Like, if you want to know more, definitely do some research. But, like, it's what these poor victims went through is horrific. Shirley was only 16 years old when she died on October 31st. In 1957, Peter and Betty Fabiano went to bed after a long Halloween night of trick-or-treaters. But before they were able to fall asleep, the doorbell rang. Thinking it was another kid looking for candy, Peter grabbed the bowl of candy and opened the door to find a woman standing in front of him wearing a mask. She had her hand in a paper bag that she lifted and shot Peter in the chest. The gun woke up Betty and their daughter Judy. Betty ran to the neighbor's house knowing he was a police officer Peter was taken to the hospital, but died at 35 years old. The only lead police had was a car speeding out of the neighborhood, but nothing was stolen from the house, and the bullet casing was missing. When questioned Halloween night, Betty said she heard a man's voice before the gunshot. She also gave the name Joan Rebel as a possible suspect. When Betty and Peter were discussing divorce, Betty moved in with Joan. Joan worked at the salon Betty owned, and eventually Betty decided her marriage was worth saving and moved back home. The LAPD eventually arrested Joan Rebel, who was jealous of Peter. Joan was convicted of second-degree murder since she talked another woman, Golden Pizer, into killing Peter. The two women were sentenced to five years to life, but were later released. Betty was never tried for her husband's murder, and we don't know what happened to the woman after they were released. For all we know, Betty and Joan lived the rest of their lives together. At least that's how I'd end the movie. In my mind, Betty and Joan cooked this thing up together, hired the other woman to kill Betty's husband, and then Betty and Joan were like, We're free at last. It's the 50s. We can't get a divorce. So now we're going to get married and, well, maybe not married, but now we're going to live the rest of our life in like New Mexico or some far off land away from California where people know them. But good movie idea for anybody listening. In 1992, a Japanese exchange student in Baton Rouge was on his way to a Halloween party dressed in a white tux. But since he But since he was new to the area, he was having a hard time finding the house that the Halloween party was at. So after searching for a while, Yoshihiro, who went by Yoshi, walked up to a house with his friend. 
they thought the party was there because they had a similar address and Halloween decorations. So Yoshi knocked, but no one answered. Thinking they made a mistake, they started to walk back to their car when the door behind them opened. When Yoshi turned to see who it was and tell them they were there for the party, a man standing in the doorway shot Yoshi with a revolver. Very clearly not the right house. You're at a stranger's house. And when the police questioned the man, Rodney Pears, Pears, however you pronounce his last name, he said he was scared and thought someone was trespassing on his property. He claims he thought Yoshi's camera hanging around the, his neck was a gun. He also said he yelled freeze at the boys, but not knowing English slang, not wearing his contacts, and may have thought the gun was part of a Halloween costume. Yoshi did not freeze, quote unquote. Yoshi died on his way to the hospital, and because of the, quote, castle doctrine, unquote, which allows Americans to protect their homes, Rodney was found not guilty of the murder of Yoshihiro Hattori. Now, I'm not going to go into a rant right now, but I am going to say, it is Halloween fucking night. Why are you shooting people coming up to your door? Like, if it's so late, then you call the police. You know, if the if trick-or-treating is done, if it's like midnight, whatever, call the police. If it's still trick-or-treating time, why are you bringing a gun to the door? If anything, you should open the door with a bowl of candy. Even if you were nervous about young adults approaching instead of you know, young kids, just don't open the door. Or if you're really scared, call the fucking police. And I'm definitely not going to go into a rant about guns, but y'all know where I'd go with this. So we're going to move on to the next story, but this story really just like infuriates me. Yoshihiro did not deserve to die. It's disgusting. The last true crime story I have for you is also the most recent one. In 2010, a 16-year-old Devin Griffin returned home late Halloween night he decided he was going to play some video games before heading to bed, but as he played, he realized that the house was a little too quiet. When he went to check on his family, he found his mother and stepfather in bed covered in blood. Initially, Devin thought it was a sick Halloween prank, which I think anybody who's not expecting to see a dead body on Halloween would probably think it's a prank. But I hope my parents wouldn't play pranks on me like that. When he realized it wasn't a prank, he ran outside and called his aunt, who then called 911. When the police arrived, they discovered Devin's brother, Derek, had been murdered as well. They questioned Devin, who realized that his old his other brother, William Lisk, was missing. Eventually, the police found William and learned that he murdered his stepbrother, Derek, with a hammer 
shot his father, William, five times before sexually assaulting his stepmother, Susan, then shooting her as well. William Jr. was known to have mental issues such as schizophrenia, but many believe the murders were premeditated. They were all still in bed, leading police to believe that they were killed early in the morning of Halloween while Devin was at church since the holiday landed on a Sunday. Kind of like this Halloween. William Jr. pleaded guilty to avoid the death penalty, but was found dead five years later from self-inflicted wounds. Now, this story seems a little weird to me because I don't understand why one of your three children is going to church Sunday, but nobody else in the family is going to church. And even if he had to, like, do some sort of, like, communion or sing or something with youth group or whatever the case may be, how is nobody else going in your family? It's a little suspect, but those are the stories I have for you. All of these true crime stories happened on Halloween, so be careful out there, y'all. Halloween is my favorite holiday, and it is a great time to enjoy everything horror and spookiness, but we also need to remember the victims that were taken too soon, so we're going to take a short break, and I will be back with some Halloween ghost stories. you're ready for some Halloween hauntings there's some fun ones in here and I couldn't find a lot of articles about hauntings that happen specifically on Halloween but I did find a good one that takes place all of the hauntings takes place in the UK so most of these are uh, English or UK based in West Yorkshire a pack of devil dogs appear and wail at the moon every Halloween. The spirits are known to run over land and water, looking to terrify anyone they find. And this is a great example of, quote, the black dog, which comes from English folklore. The black dog is a paranormal spectral or demonic entity that's usually much larger than your standard domestic dog. The black dog has red or yellow glowing eyes, depending on who you ask, and is often connected to the devil. It has been spotted hundreds of times in Europe, but more specifically in the UK. Most say it's a vicious dog, but others say it's a guardian. One story depicts the black dog as once a real dog that saved a young girl from being sexually attacked by a friar. The girl got away, but the friar killed the dog, and now the dog's ghost roams the lands protecting people in need. 
Others say it's a demon sent here from hell to kill those in its way. Regardless, if you spend some time in West Yorkshire, you may just hear the howl of a pack of devil dogs led by the black dog. There's a story of a ghostly wedding party that occurs every year in the former site of Arb- Armboth Hall in memory of a murdered newlywed bride. She had been married earlier in the day, but at midnight she was found dead in her bedroom. Before the estate was abandoned and submerged to create a reservoir in the 19 or in the 1890s, People reported watching a candle move from one window to the next, to the next, and so on every Halloween. Others reported seeing a full-on party with, like, many guests attending this party on Halloween night. But now the entire village that the hall was in is now submerged. So if you want to see some ruins at the bottom of the reservoir, head to Thirlmere Lake, I think is how you pronounce it, Thirlmere, T-H-I-R-L-M-E-R-E, Lake. And now it's home to a phantom dog that swims in the water, so that's kind of cute as well. I think the dog happens to show up outside of just Halloween, but maybe you'll see some glowing lights from underneath the lake that'd be spooky if you're swimming late at night and you just see lights at the bottom of the lake bottom of the reservoir i'm into that okay at piddledry house hotel you can hear cries for help that emanate from the staircase every halloween It's said to be of a maid who fell down the stairs to her death as she tried to escape a fire. There are many other ghosts in the hotel, but she's the only one to annually appear on All All Hallows Eve. And you guys, this is like a full-on castle. The place is stunning looking. So if you have a good event, like a wedding or some, like a wine tasting event or something, this is the place to go. It's incredible. On the flip side, at the Court Oak Pub in Harborn, a ghost lives in the cellar. His name is Corky. Well, at least that's what they call him. I Again, I hate when we nickname ghosts. Most of the nicknames are not clever or fitting or just like Corky. I, it's a little too on the nose. But they named him Corky, and every Halloween... He smashes the cheapest bottles of wine, a ghost after my own heart. He will also appear behind the bar, and witnesses have said it's a man in his 60s. So, good on him. He's ridding the world of cheap, gross wine. That's his purpose in life, or the afterlife. The pub was built on a 17th century hanging ground. So it is just a recipe for hauntings. Again, I'm sure this place has a multitude of hauntings as well, but this is, uh, Corky's the one that shows up on Halloween smashing cheap bottles of wine, so props to him. Every Halloween, a large fire appears on Clay Hill 
with figures dancing and singing loudly in an unrecognized language. The police have been called several Halloweens, but no evidence of a fire or party are ever found. The legend goes, the devil was offended by a town's disloyalty and their vow to Christianity, that the devil took it upon himself to carry a huge pile of earth in attempts to bury the town. On his way, he passed an elderly man who told the devil that he had grown so old and weary from searching for the town that he gave up and is like sitting on the side of the road ready to die. Seeing the age of the man, the devil dropped the earth where he stood, creating Clay Hill. And he's The devil's like, I'm not walking all that way to find this place. It's not worth it. So I'm just going to leave this pile of earth here. If you don't believe that, maybe you're more inclined to bl- blame aliens because several UFO sightings have been reported over and around that hill. So maybe it's devil worshippers ghosts or aliens dancing around the bonfire halloween night either way enjoy the site you can call the police if you want they're not going to find anything you should at least go and join who doesn't love dancing around a giant bonfire on halloween night crebley road sees the return of a headless horseman every october 31st the horseman was a robber who was running away by horseback from a house he had just robbed. What he didn't expect was a wire stretched between the posts of the front gate. So when he was trying to escape, he decapitated himself. Which sounds just like an awful way to go. Like being burned alive sounds horrible. And decapitation, ugh, no. All I can imagine is like nearly headless Nick from Harry Potter. Apparently you can see and hear him trying to make his escape. Like the last thing I need to do is witness a head rolling. That sounds horrible. Yeah, I guess if you want to see that on Halloween night, go to Krebley Road, but like, I'm going to pass on this one, but the last haunting I have for you is about the Black Nab, which is a stack of rocks. And if you visit on Halloween and call out your true love's name, the wind will pick up and whisper back the name followed by the ringing of bells. The story goes, Whitby Abbey was a monastery that was confiscated by King Henry Henry VIII, so the bells were to be shipped away. But as the ship rounded the Black Nab, which is, again, a huge stack of rocks, boulders, whatever you want to call it, as the ship rounded it, the ship suddenly sank, submerging the bells, and they remain at the bottom of the sea today. And it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of picturesque. I don't know why anybody would be there for during Halloween, but standing seaside with the nice, cool sea breeze 
October 31st, shouting your true love's name. Kind of romantic. I, I, I can see it. I can see it. Well, I hope you all had as much fun learning about these Halloween events as I did. You can find this episode and every upcoming bonus episode on my Patreon, Haunted Hometowns. I'm hoping to have some merchandise available on there as soon as possible. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Please, please, please email me your ghost stories at hauntedhometownspodcast at gmail.com. They could be anything from hello being written on a post-it note while you're home alone to a translucent woman offering you pie and welcoming you to the neighborhood. Literally anything. Please, please, please let me know. Podcast at gmail.com. You can follow Haunted Hometown social media for photos, upcoming news, and guest info. I'll have another bonus episode available the last Friday of November exclusively on Patreon. So make sure you pop on over there and sign up. And I will see you all for Season 3 on December 3rd. Mark your calendars. Season 3 of Haunted Hometowns drops December 3rd. 3 and 3. And if you're subscribed to the podcast, you don't have to write it down in your calendars. So make sure you do that. And I will see you all December 3rd because everyone loves a ghost story. The amazing music for Haunted Hometowns is by the one and only Tyre. Follow him on Instagram at for boys like me. That's F-O-R boys like me. You can follow the amazingly talented artist who did the cover of Haunted Hometowns, Pepe Munoz. Follow him on Instagram at Pepe Munoz, but it's p.e.p.e.munoz, M-U-N-O-Z. I got some of my information from Insider Article by Frank Olito, History Channel, Wales Online, Wikipedia, and Medium.com.